book of John, say amen. Today what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the revised edition of the leadership structure in this church. And I'm going to give you the revised edition of the policies and procedures that we request of you by saying you are part of the leadership team here at Victory Outreach Church. As you know, every great church, every great church has policies. Every great corporation has policies. Every great, great company has policies. Even Jesus had a structure for his team. And I'll tell you one of the first things he said on his policy manual is that whoever does not take up his cross and deny himself daily is not fit. So even Jesus had policies. Jesus had, if you want to call them rules, even he had them. Why do you think even Jesus had them? It's because Jesus knew the importance of structure. Jesus talked about it often. Jesus gave the illustration about the man who built his house, what? On the rock. And the man who built his house on the sand. Obviously, when he says the man who built his house on the rock, he's basically saying that man had structure in his life. That he had something to build on so that when the wind comes, when the rain falls, then that church will still be standing. You know why this church is standing 26 years later and not too many churches make it that long? You know why we've only been through two pastors in this church? And the one pastor resigned voluntarily because, because nothing immoral he did, nothing out of misbehavior that he did. He just decided that he didn't want to do it anymore and he left this church debt free. You know how that was able to happen is because we have structure in this church. Because we have policy in this church. Because we have strength in this church. And therefore you and I should never get tired of hearing that word as leaders. That there is structure and there are policies that we have in the church. Structure doesn't bring growth to a church. Structure only facilitates the growth. Because if you have a structure and you don't build on that structure. Then all you have is what... What eventually will be what the proverb writer says is that he went by the field and what happens? He saw the field and it was there, but it began to fade away because it wasn't taken care of. So structure doesn't bring growth. Structure facilitates growth. It just teaches us. It gives us the, the, the opportunity to handle growth. Structure determines the size of a church. That's what it does. I'll tell you one thing. If you have a small structure, you're going to have a small church. If you have a medium-sized structure, you're going to have a medium church. If you have a large structure, you have a large church. If you have a mega structure, you're going to have a mega church. What is a mega structure? A mega structure is the endless structure. It goes on and on and on. There's pastors for everything. There's a pastor for the pastors in the church. There's a pastor for seniors in the church. There's a pastor for children in the church. It just goes on and on and on. That's a mega structure. The size of a structure determines the size of a church. If you go to New York City and you take a look at some of those enormous skyscrapers. Have you been there? And you don't realize how enormous they are until you walk downtown Manhattan. 
And you stand next to a building and you look up and you can't even see where it ends. And you say to yourself, how did they even do this? I'll tell you how they did that. They did it because they had a large structure. You don't even know what's underneath the ground that that skyscraper sits on. And that's what structure is. People that come here from Sunday to Sunday, they don't see this. They don't see you and me here. They don't see, they didn't see me in meetings all day. They didn't see me not go home today. They didn't see Pastor Art not go home today. They didn't see Joe not go home today. They don't see all of that. They just see us up here in a suit and tie looking like we're very professional. Because we don't see what's underneath. And that's what this is all about tonight. We are reminding ourselves of the importance of the structure that this church must have if we're going to continue to build. Why would God send us growth in the first place if we're not even prepared for it? Why would God do that? You know what? God won't do that. That's why I believe every person that walks through these doors are God sent. God saw us fit to be able to handle these people that are being brought to this church. I learned something in a seminar that we just came back from in Las Vegas. We're at a children's ministry seminar. And I learned something from one of the teachers. And the teachers said this. Jim Weidman is his name. He said this. You got to plan for what you want. You got to plan for what you want. You got to set things in place even though the people haven't even came yet. Because when you set them in place, when the people do come, then you're ready to serve those people. And that's what structure is all about. I believe that God will, that, that God will not send us people if we're not ready for the growth. Does not 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 say this? That God will not give us more than what we can handle. Does not, what, does not the Bible say that? That God will not give us more than we can handle. That's why I believe every person that walks through these doors are God sent. Because if they weren't God sent, God won't, that if we were not able to handle them, God would not be sending them to us. I'm talking about, and God just don't send anybody to us. God sends problematic people to victory outreach. Why does he do that? You know why he does that? Because he feels we can handle that. So, whenever we have a lot of what we have to do that are on our plate. Have you ever felt like that? That you have a lot to do on your plate? Right? Somebody just told me today, man, pastor, you never sleep. I told Joe today, I said, Joe, man, this is a lot of work, huh? And you have to realize as a leader that our work is never finished. Our work never ends. I'm serious. I've been working since I was 16 years old in this church and I haven't finished my job. So when God gives us a whole lot of what we have to do on our plate, then we have to look at it this way. We have to thank God that God thinks more of us than we think of ourselves. See, that's the positive way of looking at it. You can't say, oh, I'm so bogged down. Oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. I got to go over here and I got to do over there. You got to look at it and say, God, wow, you really think more of me than I think of myself. Because why? Because God will not give you anything more than you can handle. 
So when you have a lot to do, don't complain about it. God thinks highly of you. That's why he's given you much to do. Could you say amen? It's as simple as this. We got to make room for what we want God to do. We have to think that way. God will give you and me what we make room for. Does that make sense? You're not going to grow if you don't make room for growth. You're not going to get more people in your ministry if you don't make more room for people in your ministry. Why do you think we've knocked down the wall four times in this sanctuary? Why do you think we've done that? It's because what we make room for, God will bring. And it's the same way inwardly. What we make room for, then God will give for. Now, in the book of John, I know that was a long introduction, but I'm, I'm sure it got your attention. In the book of John chapter 2, I want you to begin reading in verse 1. And, and let's read um, six verses. And here's what the Bible says in the book of John chapter 2 verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. And Jesus said, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. In verse 5, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Say that again. Say that with me. Say, do whatever he tells you. Say it. Say it one more time. In verse 6, the Bible says, Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, and each of them holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Now, this is interesting. I'm going to bring this out at you probably differently than what you're expecting. In their presence, you didn't find the water jars. But the Bible does say somewhere nearby. Geographically, what is nearby? You and I think of nearby meaning like from me to where my wife is. But when you take a look at these six stone water jars, John tells us, how much water each one held. Now, if you will get out a calculator not, I'm, calculator, I'm not telling you to do that. But if you begin to do the math, and if you take a look closely, how much a gallon of water weighs. It weighs approximately between eight to eight and a half pounds. So now when you begin to do the math, and if you say to yourself, Okay, so how much does each water jar hold then? These were humongous jars. They're not jars that you and I are thinking of that you and I go around at a table to pour somebody's drink in. These were jars that the Jews used for ceremonial washings. So that means that whoever, say that with me, say whoever. The Bible calls them servants. That means that the servants 
had to carry these stone jars which weighed approximately each between 175 to 250 pounds. Each water jar. Now I'm getting somewhere with this. That means something. That means that some physical work, physical work, you're here today and it's physical. Some physical work needed to be done if the miracle was going to happen. Where were they at? The Bible tells us they were at a wedding. In Jerusalem, that would be a banquet room. Now, here's what people don't realize because we don't live there. But in ancient cities like Cana, weddings or banquet rooms were not held on the first level floor. All banquets were, banquets were held upstairs. The water jars were not in their presence. They were nearby, but not in their presence. So that means now stairs are involved. How many of you like moving to a second story apartment? Stairs were involved. So that means now even furthermore. In ancient cities, they didn't have a water system like we have. They didn't just go outside to the faucet and fill up the jars with water. No, 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 no. They had to go in ancient cities in Cana. There was a central location where everybody retrieved water for living. So that means they had to get these six jars. And now inconvenience was involved. Here's what I'm trying to say. Ministry... Sounds like a whole lot of work. Because it is. We want to see a miracle happen. Jesus does his part. And the servants do their part. We are the servants. And it's amazing how Jesus set up this miracle. He set it up for the people of God to do Physical work. And here's what's amazing. Nothing spiritual or mystical was involved to see the miracle happen. You leave the spiritual and mystical up to Jesus. Because he's the miracle worker. He's the great I am. All God wants is us to be a conduit. God wants us to be his hands. But remember, we are his hands. You don't have healing hands. He has healing hands. I look what? I look up from where my help cometh from. I don't look at him from where my help cometh from or her from whence comes my help. I look up. God wants us to be physical. God wants you to come straight from work to a training. Because that's how a miracle is going to happen. And then Jesus tells them, fill them to the brim. Jesus never does anything 
half-heartedly. Jesus looks at them and he says, fill the water jugs. How many, of you, how many of us have ever tried to compromise what God was telling us to do? See, we probably, maybe if we were the disciples, maybe we would have questioned Jesus and said, Jesus, are you sure you want us to fill them? We're talking about 250 pounds apiece here, Jesus. Jesus was in his 30s at this time. Here's a little bit of goodness for mothers. Mothers never tell, stop telling their children what to do. Jesus was a grown man. And his mom was telling him still what to do. And I like what he tells him. And I'll end with this. He says, fill them up with water. And then he says, take them to the master of the banquet. That's what he tells them. Take them to the master of the banquet. Do you know that Jesus never told the servants why or what he was going to do? Jesus never told them what he was about to do. They weren't part of that conversation. Jesus just told them what to do. Why do you think Jesus' mother said, do whatever he tells you to do? Mom knew what was going to happen. The master knew what, the master of the banquet knew what was going to happen. Jesus knew what was going to happen. But the servants had no idea what was about to happen. All they knew is that their leader told them what to do. And that leads me to say. Jesus asked the same people. That filled the water jugs. Now to start serving. What they just carried. But you don't understand God. I already did my part. I already did. And you want me to do this again? Yes, Jesus wants you to do that again. He doesn't only want you to walk down the steps. Find the water jars. Fill them. Bring them back up the steps. And go inside and drop them off. And say, okay, I'm finished with my job. No, Jesus wants you to finish what we started. And Jesus said, now begin to serve what you just filled up on. That's why it's important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. No one knew that this water would be turned into a miracle. And let me tell you this. Sometimes we may never understand what and why the leader is telling you what to do a certain way. It's called work. But I'll tell you one thing. We will all get to see the reward after the work is done. You know, often I don't say this. I don't say this, period. period. Never even said this to my own wife. But there's times where I will come to church. And I'll see what God is doing. 
And I think back to 1985. And I say, if you can hear me, Pastor Bob, I'm sure you're proud of what God is doing here. Because his work is done. But the reward. Who would have ever known? Starting in a garage and using a broken down bus for your children's ministry. Where we would be today. And where we're going to be 10 years from now. The servants took the water and catch this. This is a heavy, heavy revelation. When the servants let go of the cup, when they let go of the cup, and when the master took the cup is when the water Turned into wine. See when we let go. And let him take. Is when we begin to see God do the supernatural. And the miraculous. In our lives. And in our ministry. Let go of that. Natural water. And let him take it. And turn it into a supernatural wine. Bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. We're thankful for these revelations. And I pray, Lord, that we would always be reminded that ministry requires work. That we would be reminded that ministry requires structure. And that we would be reminded that whenever we don't even fully understand what we are doing and why we are doing it but as long as we believe that you have told us to do it Lord we all wait for that supernatural miracle and we are ready to facilitate the growth facilitate the growth that you're about to explode in this congregation we decrease so that you may increase in our lives in Jesus name we pray and everybody says amen